Ohio, are you on? I'm on. Wisconsin, what about you? Oh, I'm here, man. I'm here and waking up. The caffeine is hitting my bloodstream, and uh, I'm happy about that. I appreciate a lot of chemical help when I get up. So, um, I have a question for you this morning. Um, All right. And, uh, and my question being, so what did you think was the coolest thing in the world when you were growing up? Like, what phrase would you have used to describe what this cool thing was going to be? Wow. It's interesting you ask that question because I just answered the question to my kids about how things have changed in my life. Okay. Um, I would say, you know, the question we would ask ourselves often is what will they think of next? Because, I mean, I went from a reel-to-reel music player to 8-track to cassette to, and then what is it? Now we got, I don't even know. I I listen to music on Alexa. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So I think the phrase would be, what what will they think of next? Because it seemed like every time you think there's, they can't get this any better. They do. They did. And something new yeah. would be invented. Yeah. And it just gets crazier and crazier. Um, I, you know, I, even in my lifetime, um, which, which began at some, some point after your lifetime. Um, <laughs> and, un, and the math on that is undisclosed, but I, it's, um, but even then, you know, I've seen, like, I remember, uh, waiting, waiting for the my song to come on the radio, so I could record it on a tape, because that was, you know, oh, I'm making this and making that, you know, and and I thought, you know, yeah, maybe in the future someday, uh, we'll be able to like, just look up music and we'll have it on on like. <laughs> I remember I, I, you brought back a memory of recording songs and trying to stop the recording before the the DJ interrupted with the next song or a commercial. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that's another one of those things. Now, now people can, you know, record shows that people listen to in their basements, which yeah, is what yeah. we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, not to disclose my age, but, um, we didn't have, uh, a lot of TV shows. Um, cable was out, but nobody could afford it. And so, sure. you know, just, just <laughs> the, what will they think of next? Even, even was about TV shows and movies and, and, uh, and, uh, technology. It just, uh, it just, it blows my mind looking back Yeah, and seeing what has transpired. Well, and, and speaking of the nineties, um, one of my favorite quotes on, uh, a place that was supposed to be you know, Primo is at the beginning of Dumb and Dumber, what a highly, deeply theological movie um, starring Jim Carrey, you know, um, and where he says Aspen. I'm talking about Aspen. You know, it's that that whole thing. It's a travel narrative of them going to Aspen, Colorado. And he says Aspen where the beer flows like wine. And I'm, <laughs> where the beer flows like wine, where, where things are different, where things are amazing. Um, yeah. And there's a biblical phrase that that sort of hits that not quite so stupidly uh, hits the uh, that idea, and it's recurring phrase through the Old Testament. So I've been reading through the Old Testament recently, uh, Exodus three and verse eight. Uh, this is God talking to Israel. He says, "I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, 
and bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And this milk and honey phrase is something that you hear a lot um, just throughout throughout the Old Testament over and over. Um, I honestly don't know if it occurs in the New Testament. I don't think so. Um, I can't recall. Yeah, I, I don't think that it does. But this land flowing with milk and honey, it's used at least 20 times. Um, and there's mostly like just educated guesses on what it could exactly mean. Um, I did like the... Uh, I never thought of it before, but of course, Veggie Tales, um, you know, brought me the insight that it sounds very sticky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I have three well, kids. At least uh, you didn't go with the sounds really, it smells sour. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I have three kids under 10 years old. I mean, often my kitchen seems like the land flowing with milk and honey and Captain Crunch yeah. cereal all over the floor and, you know, various other things, so... Um, but I, I think it's a, it's an interesting phrase and it's so ancient. It's one of those where we can really only extrapolate it, um, and take some guesses on what it, on what it might stand for. Uh, one of the places that it's contrasted with, which is interesting, one of the words for Egypt in, in ancient Hebrew was Mitzrayim, which I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation on that, but, um, Mitzrayim, which means the narrow places. Um, so... The idea being that that this is a contrast with the narrow places. As I'm going to put you in a broad land, I'm going to put you in an open, open, more open land. I'm going to put you in a place where there's enough and more, uh, where there's feasting, right? Yeah. Yeah, much more than you anticipated. Right. Much more than you ever yeah. thought there was going to be. Um, and milk and honey would be in the ancient world would be the the things i mean that would be as far as like that would be like us talking about like saffron and caviar or something because <laughs> they're never not... had saffron but i've had caviar once yeah i've had caviar once i caviar is i best enjoyed as a metaphor <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know the one i had was fantastic oh, okay um, all right yeah it was I, it was probably served correctly, which is part of it. So. Yeah, I think you probably did yeah. better than me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was a it was an international flight from international airline, so I think they knew how to serve caviar. Well, then, yeah, you were in the right place. So, yeah, um, one of the most interesting aspects of this is that is bees. Bees were unclean creatures. They were unclean animals, so they were considered like a creeping thing. Uh, would have probably been the parlance in Levitical law about them. Um, mm. And they were not to eat products of unclean creatures. So this was not something they could um, cultivate. There was, I, as far as we know, there was no beekeeping back then. Um, but what's interesting is that I, people liked honey. And so the rabbinical literature... Came in rabbinical literature. That's one of the, it's one of these thousand dollar words that that means essentially commentary. This is like the the rabbis at the time in the Old Testament telling people how to live, how to live this law out. Um, and the rabbinical literature made dispensation um, for 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 honey because honey was so popular and so important to the diet. And they would say, okay, well the bees, the unclean bees, don't really make it. They sort of just carry it around. 
<laughs> yeah, and with their little with their little cups. <laughs> right, they're just sort of part of the process, and they're not. Yeah, they're not like the main part of the process. I, you know, it is. <laughs> so they just they just gather, and honey occurs. It's amazing, <laughs> amazing how that happens. Um, this is a this is a very crude uh, parallel, but I when I. When I lived in Vancouver, British Columbia, was like 20 years ago when I was in seminary, and there, um, marijuana was almost legal at that time, and it was everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. It was not fully legal, but it was sort of they sort of winked an eye at it, um, and now it is completely legal. But uh, back then, they had these pot cafes everywhere where you could smoke pot without getting in trouble. Uh -huh. Um, but you, you couldn't grow it, distribute it, yeah. trade it or obtain it in any legal way. But if you walked into the pot cafe and it materialized in your hand, then you could smoke <laughs> it without persecution. <laughs> it's a, it's a magic shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? You know, so, um, Honey, honey was kind of similar in the sense of it. Um, it had to occur naturally. It was not something they could cultivate. It was not something they could intentionally keep. And so, if you had honey, then you meant that meant you had a blessing. Like you meant mm. that meant the bees had congregated somewhere completely naturally, in a rock or a cave or something. They had been there long enough, undisturbed enough to produce honey. And now you had this honey that you could use. Um, so the idea of a land flowing with milk and honey was like, would have been a, a land of blessing, a land of where blessings are falling into your hands. Um, you know, what's interesting, Josh, is as you're talking, something came to mind. You were saying that the rabbinical laws allowed for the honey. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about the story of Samson. Remember the story of Samson when, uh, when he finds... He slays a lion, and then later he goes back and he finds that bees have laid honey in the lion. Right. And uh, and he ate the honey, and he gave it to his parents, and it says they were defiled because of it. So it wasn't because of the honey. It would have then been because it was in an, a the, carcass. The carcass of an right. un, yeah of an un, well a carcass and an unclean carcass of that. Right. So, right. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of that. I like that. That's. Yeah, it would have been, um, yeah, I mean, Samson was not real, real good rule follower at the end of the day. <laughs> Let's just say he... You like to say, you like to be Mr. Obvious, don't you, John? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, he wasn't a great rule follower, but he ultimately brought the house down as far as part of it was. <laughs> so... Um, and, and people were just falling at his feet. <laughs> And milk would have been the other side of that, right? Milk, yeah. Milk points out a sheer abundance of environment. So you have a nomadic people, who, um, if you think milk, you think healthy cows. You think they had, they had grass. They had things to eat. They had an environment that meant they were somewhere where they could stay. Would be my guess. Um, Though and, I would suggest it was probably more sheep and cows. Yes, that's probably true. Cows. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm, sheep I, and goats, I meant. Sheep and goats, sheep and yeah, goats yeah. rather than cows. Yeah. yeah. Um, typical, I'm, you know, 
like I said, Wisconsin. You Wisconsinite. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, what kind of cows did they have out there? Yeah, it's like <laughs> you guys and your dairy and cheese, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think the world revolves around cows. <laughs> <laughs> A little myopic on the on the part of the Wisconsinite. On the cheese head here on the call. Who brought that guy? <laughs> but you would have milk. You would have milk would have been um, extremely hard to preserve. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody was just pointing out in this study that I'm in uh, that when JL and that we should do a, an episode on JL. JL was the one who, you know, did a tent peg through the guy's head. When yeah. the guy came to stay with her and he fell asleep, she gave him milk. He asked for milk, and so it was very like he really thought he was something. You know, yeah. You, you wouldn't give anybody, just anybody, the milk that you had, which had been a small, precious supply. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had what was the Babylon Bee article the other day was uh, JL is selling gently used camping supplies. <laughs> <laughs> what with a with a, a a repairable hole in the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know they got the point. Whoa. All right, sorry, man. Dad jokes. We're gonna we're gonna disappear. Um, I, I just find this fascinating. Um, I hadn't really thought about honey in that way. You know, it's just one of those things you just take for granted. You don't think, I never thought of a bee as being unclean. And you would think with my history, I would really know what was clean and unclean. Right. Um, but that's fascinating. Um, yeah. And the milk part, milk doesn't surprise me in the sense that it was available everywhere. But when you brought up the concept that it's not, it's 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 perishable and it's quickly perishable. Mm-hmm. Um, right, makes you wonder if they if they did really did. I, I made a joke earlier, but if they really did focus a lot on cheese and and things of that nature, that the you know herds and way and yeah. uh, and things like that that nature. But you're right; it does sound like uh, something that wouldn't be normally in their diet. Right, right, and that's and that's part of the issue. Part of the uh... The idea here is that um, God's generosity and abundant blessing go together. Uh, you think of the story of the prodigal son, and you had the one side where the prodigal goes and does his thing, and he, he uses uses up all of his milk and honey on stupid things, right? And, yeah. Uh, and then the other side of it being the legalistic brother, who was just as parsimonious. He was, he was you know... This guy doesn't deserve anything. You don't need to bring him back. There's no generosity there. And in the middle, you have the actual blessing of the father who comes out and gives the, the son more than he could ever imagine. Um, yeah. To the point that the legalistic brother doesn't get it. Yeah. Um, but it's... You know, which is leads to... That's one of my favorite scriptures, Josh, in Ephesians, where about talks about how God is the one who gives you far more than you could ever ask or imagine. Amen. You know? I mean, you think about that sometimes. I'll sit up my back porch, and, uh, you know, I've got an acre back there, and i got lots of trees. And you think, you know, God could have created tree, <laughs> you know, or yeah. flower or bush. Yeah. But look at the abundance that, I mean, there's thousands of each, mm-hmm. you know. And we watch the birds come and, and eat all the feeders and how many birds there are. And we we we, we are loved by a God who literally gives us far more than we could ever need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah, and I I think that's what you're saying here. Yeah, the god the god of feasting. Um Yeah. And milk and milk and honey is are as universal as they are impractical. They're not necessary for life. Uh you can live without milk and honey. Um Yeah. You know, same way that you can live without wine and Jesus's first miracle is wine. It's not wine. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Now you're meddling. <laughs> well, in the ancient world, you could live without wine. Um, <laughs> I didn't say anything about scotch. That's a, a totally different. <laughs> okay, I can live without scotch, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, the Jesus' first miracle was wine. Jesus' first miracle was the party, right? And God's yeah. promise to them with milk and honey is abundance. Um, these are symbols of a a part of life that is more than survival, more than functionality. It's part of the X factor that makes us human. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.